So this morning, this is very interesting how it ties in. Uh, we've been talking about the resource, the resources of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're limitless. That is in Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God will supply, listen to what it says, all your need, all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, again, we said in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and specifically in, in a particular portion in Luke also, when he sent them out, I believe this is the 10th chapter, and, and others in, in Matthew and Mark also. But when he sent them out, he never sent them out without him, with them, doing the work in and through them. And that was why he told them, you're not to bring your own resources. You do not bring your own resources. So the falseness of, being, of when we think that God has led us, we think with natural resources. And then is he sending us? The answer is no. The answer is no. And so, of course, in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which makes me mighty. Why? Because in 419, it is his supply. And it's limitless, and it's not my own resources. It's not my own natural thinking. Now, this is very, very interesting, too. And I, I loved uh, Jediel's prayer this morning, because this never gets old. And God doesn't want it to get old with me personally or with any of us. Wherever God sends you, to do a thing, it's always the priority of his word, first and foremost. Otherwise, no matter what you think you're doing for God, you're doing it based upon your own natural resources. And that's all you have. That's why people aren't here today, this morning, to have the word. Because honestly, in the falseness of their thinking, they think they're doing God's work. They think that they... They're, they're capable of doing God's work when others there are far more capable, only because of grace and truth. And then thereby they think that they can minister to others when they themselves have not even gotten the word. They haven't even gotten the word. They haven't placed the word. In listen, in, for, in terms of priority for the word, listen, it's local assembly. It just really is. You know, and the principle is, it's not practiced today. It barely practiced today is this principle. Ever practice in absolute obedience. In absolute obedience. Because listen, in the finality of things, we know that we should come and hear the word. It's just that when we know to do good, we choose not to do it. Why? Natural resources. That's James 4 and verse 17. Back in the book of Acts, there were many churches. Now, we see that in Revelations chapters 2 and 3. The seven Asiatic churches. And, and they all couldn't meet in one place. They couldn't, obviously, because of the locations. And that's why it's called a local assembly. But it was still the one church. It was still the one church. And if I have my own private resources, my own private plans in a particular place, if I have it there and I go to another, do you think that's going to change? It's not going to change. It doesn't change. Now, this is what can happen as a result of that. And you know what? We can become wearied in doing, we're thinking, thinking that we're doing God's service and become and become wearied and the enemy will use that to keep the precedence and the preeminence of Christ the word from us coming to hear it and we actually think we it, it just amazes me and then the enemy uses that to interrupt the work of God just does now that happens now this is this is quite, this, Mark, 
when, when you study Mark, what it brings out is here very beautifully in the Gospel of Mark, as it's different in Matthew, and, and we understand and can see when you read the, the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that's those are the synoptics, and then the Gospel of John, you see the full preponderance which brings out incredible truths. So, for instance, in, in Matthew, he was to be Christ, was to be presented as the Messiah towards the children of Israel. So obviously you're going to bring out his genealogy. You're going to bring out things about his person and the work that he's going to do. And you'll also see that because specific truths about the person and the work of Christ are also brought out in the book of Luke. But in Matthew, they, they start from A and go all the way down to the end. And in Luke, it's reversed for particular reasons that are brought out in both of those Gospels, in Matthew and in Luke. But here, in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, there is no gene genealogy of Christ, whether it goes from here all the way down or from, he from here all the way up. It's not brought up. And the reason that it's not in the Gospel of Mark is because what he's being brought out here is he's an absolute servant. He's a slave, a free slave, by the way, to the complete will of God. There's no need to bring up the genealogy of a slave. That's what he is here. And he serves tirelessly. He serves tirelessly. And oh, how the enemy tries to weary us in, in our service. Jesus was never wearied. He faced all kinds of opposition. He faced all kinds of rejection. He faced it all. And, and we'll see it when we come to a particular portion here. Because even in his, he was God and humanity, yet in his humanity, he never relied on his humanity, his own resources. He was constantly led by the Spirit of God. You see that in Matthew 4.1 and in Luke 4.1, and you see it in, Matt, in Mark chapters 1 and 2. You see it clearly. You see it clearly. And everywhere that God leads us is the place that we're sent. What makes us think we should leave? Our own resources, you know what they lead to? Our own plans. What we think we can do that we think others can't do, that we have to be there to do it. And miss the word. Do you know, everywhere they went, in the book of Acts, it, <clears throat> every single place that they went, they still functioned in the local assembly. They never had a private plan. Did you know that? You look at it in the scriptures. They never had their private plans because it was one body. And if I don't understand it here, how could I understand it anywhere else? I just couldn't. I'll have my own plans. I think I, uh, that God will, in ignorance, that God will actually use me apart from the local assembly. When he never does, he doesn't do that. This is the, we are the heavenly people. We are his body, flesh and bone, Ephesians 5.30. There's one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. Many particular members in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, absolutely, but one body. And that's the place where we're hidden from the world. Literally. And what makes me think I can help others? who are functioning in the world need help, when I myself am completely ignorant of that. Utterly and completely ignorant of it. And then, with our own natural resources, I'll tell you, if it's my own natural resource, is that fellowship? It's not. I bring down and lower my estimation in my own natural resources through my own natural thinking of what fellowship is. 
and I think I'm fellowshipping by doing this, going here, helping me, thinking I'm helping these, and it's got nothing to do with the will of God whatsoever. Not to say that he won't be faithful to himself, because he will. You look at what Jesus faced all through the synoptics in the Gospel of John. They constantly denied his works. They constantly denied his person. Constantly. But he didn't get weary. We will get weary if Christ is not my complete resource. If I don't trust him no matter what. No matter what. Now, because what happens? What happens? And this is what happens. This is what can happen to us when we go with our own natural resources. And you know what a natural resource is from the enemy? He gives it to Christians ignorantly. You know what it becomes? A weight. That's what it becomes. God. I, for the life of me, don't understand it. I do not understand it. L literally, what, what, what Christians think and how they act and what they think they're doing for God and dismiss his body. It doesn't even make any sense to me. It is so senseless. Utterly senseless. Well, here's I'm going to read here from Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Only a couple of verses there. Now, here's what happens to us. And we're going to see this when we see Mark, too. We're going to get back to Mark. This is Hebrews 12, verse 1. Now, Following the, the wherefore, we see in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, wherefore is going to give us some thinking, proper thinking of all of those. And, and this is not the hero's hall of fame. This is the one hero, Jesus Christ himself, and all those who submitted to him. That's Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in those 40 verses. Look what they went through. Look what they faced. Adversity, rejection, constantly. Constantly, all of these. But yet, did God come through for them? He did. He did. And in a lot of their service, a lot of their service, and of course, when we say uh, their service, and that's always Philippians 2, 12, and 13. To work out your own salvation, your whole Christian life, with a reverence and a trembling. Listen, a reverence and a trembling for what? How do we reverence and tremble? What does that have to do with? What's the means of our, being, of our reverencing and trembling in, in great awe? It's his word. That takes precedence. Meeting together as the body of Christ, no matter where I go. No matter where I go, that's first and foremost. We don't go and minister to people outside of the local assembly. Because where are you going to bring them? I'll tell you, you're going to bring them to yourself because you think you're the resource for them. You think you can do for them what someone else might not be able to do. And that's a complete lie. It's a complete lie. You mean to tell me that I, and by the pure grace of God... As a pastor teacher, do you mean that I have to have children to know through the word of God how to minister to those that have them? Really? That's the word of God? Oh, okay. Well, how many children did the Apostle Paul have? I have to have children? I have to be a certain age so that I can know how to minister to younger people? To people in middle age? Really? The opposite is true, folks. If you've ever read 1 John 2, 12 to 14. And by the way, how about this particular scripture? How about this? No matter where you go, no matter where you think, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a thing for me. Here's 1 first, here's first Peter 5, 5. Look at this. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. <laughs> Oh, the elder, they can't meet these particular people. They're not of their age. They won't understand them like we can. 
So we'll bypass that, the minister. Really? What's God's order? Does God do anything outside of his order? In 1 Corinthians 14, 40? No. So to function outside of it ignorantly is to is is you're being confused in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and you're not even aware of it. Why? Your own natural resources based upon natural thinking that doesn't come from God. You Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. I had this one guy, this one pastor was trying to convince this other one pastor that uh, you're too, you know, you're older now and we need to have the young people come in and do it. Oh, I don't know. Is that, <laughs> you know, babes, first, first John 2, 12, babes, young men, spiritual dads. We don't need the spiritual dads anymore. Well, then don't read 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 7. Oh, Samuel, you're old. You're too old for us. And, you know, you're too old. You're not able to minister here. We want someone younger. The thing, when it says that in 1 Samuel 8, 6 and 7, when it says the thing displeased Listen to this. You try and talk to people like this, the word with the word, with the word that I'm using. Try and convince someone. The thing where it says in the King James, the thing displeased Samuel, the Hebrew says it was evil in his sight. Try that one on for size. Young people are gonna have all their plans, you know, because you know the older people they can't fit in. <laughs> That's the order of the local assembly? No, you're functioning in the world. That's how the world functions. How about that one? I don't know. What, what's so hard about us confronting those that we love with, this, with these truths? What do, what's so hard about that? In love, though, but doing it. But doing it and saying, hey, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? That's wrong. Whether received or not, that, that's wrong. That's not right. That is not right. You're not honoring God's order. God's order is the, is the local assembly. That has not changed. They went from one local assembly to the other. They didn't bypass it. They didn't leave one local assembly and then go on their own with their own plans. They never did that. You don't believe me? Read the book of Acts. They never did it. It gets in the way. It's an interference. That's all it amounts to. It keeps the work of God from going forward. It does. They that think they do God's service in John 16, 2, kill the body of Christ. Literally, in a spiritual sense. That's what happens. Because they have their own private plans. Terrible. Terrible. Very, very destructive. So, First Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you now together, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. Why does... Is there any humility in natural resources? Of course not, because there's nothing about the grace of God. Ever. Never. Acting independent of the body of Christ. It's so, it's so bad. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Those that he uses. That's what that is. First Peter 5, 6 is Hebrews 13, 17. It's what it is. Hebrews 13, 17. Try and tell that to a younger or a middle-aged person that has their own plans. How about if I read this one to them? Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that, that are guides over you. Yeah. Obey them. And submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable 
for you. So pray for us. Samuel, you're too old. Samuel, you're too old. First Samuel 8, 1 to 7. You're too old. We don't want you. And by the way, your sons don't walk in your way. So we're going to hold you accountable. Even though you taught your sons those things, we're going to hold you accountable for their disobedient will. And we don't want you because you're too old. And we're going to blame you for that and, and put all that on you. And the thing in Samuel's eyes that pleased him, you know what Jesus, you know what the Lord said to him, 1 Samuel 8, 7? Listen to everything they say. Go ahead. Let them have their own way, right? Because they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me from reigning over them. That's what happens. And that is what's happening. I see it here, presently. The same thing. And if you think I'm speaking presently about what's going on right here where we are, mark it down 100% I am. I most certainly am. And I mean it. <laughs> now, back to Mark the 6th chapter in verse 1. And he went out from there and came into his own country. Well, what do you suppose you might find in your own country? A little bit of familiarity. No, a lot bit. <laughs> You're going to find a lot of familiarity. A lot, lot of so-called love. Yeah, I love you. It was great for a time. Now we're off on our own. See ya. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense disobedient will giving thinking you're going to give a sacrifice in 1 Samuel 15:22 you think you're going to be sacrificed you're going to sacrifice and minister to these people when your will is not even submitted in obedience and you're ignorant and this can happen to any of us in the flesh of functioning in our own natural resources and that is just what it, God does not want your sacrifice in 1 Samuel 15:22 he wants your obedience for rebellion, this is a lack of obedience. This is, this is the source of natural resource. For your rebellion is as witchcraft. And your stubbornness is as idolatry. Things didn't change here from one year, from last year to this year. Same thing happened. What a shocker. Same exact thing. Same exact thing. He went out. In Mark 6, verse 1, he went out from there and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were shocked. I mean, they were astonished. He didn't look like a leader. Who is this, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Who, who is he? There's no beauty in him, as far as the world would esteem. There's no beauty in Isaiah 53 and verse 2 in him. We don't, we don't, he doesn't live up to our measure of what we think that he should be. Who does he think he is? They were astonished. That's what that means, by the way. From where has this man these things? Because he's in his own country. People knowing him. Do you, ever, do you ever have other believers know you after the flesh? Did you ever teach them? Invest in them and then they begin to know you after the flesh? From where, does, where did this man get these things? He, what he's saying doesn't fit with who he is. Our view of him. You think that their view of him got in the way of what he was saying? As far as they were concerned, yes, but it didn't change the power of the resource that he is, and he was there. And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? We, we don't need him. We don't need his wisdom. Samuel, we don't need your wisdom. We're young. We know what the heck we're doing. We know what we're doing. 
We had a nice time with you. We love the word that came from you. That was great. Thank you. We're off doing what God has us doing. <laughs> oh, sad. That even such mighty works are right by his, wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? You mean to tell me that he, as a lowly carpenter with no good looks, you mean he's telling us he's the Messiah? That he has the words of God for us? Yeah, because that was God's choice. God chooses those for others for his words to flow through, whether they like it or not, whether they esteem it or not. Maybe they esteem their plans based upon their own natural resources above the very word of that local assembly where they are. Because maybe when they were there, they still functioned that way and nothing's changed even where they are now. Very sad, and I say it in a sad. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? I mean, he's the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon. And look, even his sisters, we even know his sisters, so we know him. It's all natural. Natural. No wonder Jesus in Luke 8 and verse 21 down through, and in Matthew 12 and verse 50, he cut himself off with all natural relationships with family. He didn't cut off his family. He cut off the natural relationships. Another thing, too, if you've got natural family in a local assembly, you don't make them private. You love them as families, but you don't make them private from the local assembly because that's your true family. Get that one straight. Right here. <laughs> I'm talking right here, by the way. Look, you know, we, we know even his family. And we know, look, he's no different. Who does he think he is? You mean you? And not this one we propped up? Yeah, you prop someone else up that's not sent by Christ. It's just you're trying to prop yourself up and you're using them as a prop to keep you propped up. And they were offended at him. They were, you know, well, when we need the old guy, we'll, we'll use him. But when we don't, we're going to have all our other plans anyways. Really? It's not local assembly, guys. Okay? I'm going to make that crystal clear. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. Familiarity. Not gonna, there's no value in the natural, and there's no value in the natural resources. Well, look what it says there. And listen, and God was encouraging me this morning, and he wants to encourage all of us. I mean that. What is being said today, whoever would listen to it, with me included, listening to God, he wants us to be encouraged by what he's telling us this morning. Not discouraged, but to be encouraged. This is verse 4 of Mark 6. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is without honor in his own country and among his own kin. Did, did we hear that one? You know what your own kin is? Listen, it's, it's believers that are in Christ, the family of God, but then they get, they get displaced from that. And when you're displaced, you're in disorder. When you're not in your proper place and you have proper order, then you're displaced and you function in disorder. And then now your family becomes the flesh and we call it fellowship. We're fellowshipping. No, you're not. No, you're not at all. And in his own house. Oh boy. Oh Christians. Oh boy. Where does God want to deal? Where does he deal most with? 
He gives us the information when we come to hear the word of God. He gives us the light of his counsel when we come and submit ourselves in order to hear the word of God. But where he deals with natural resources is in your own home. And if it's not right there, no matter where you go, it's not going to be right. And that's why it's not right, and that's why it hasn't changed. Not to say that it won't, and God can't do it. Whew. Now look what it says in verse 5. And this is what he wants to encourage us. He is God Almighty. Look at He's God Almighty in the flesh. He has all power, Matthew 28, 19. He is all power, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. He's given us all power. To do away with fear in 2 Timothy 1.7. This is everything that he has to give us. And he couldn't give it to them. Because they resisted and rejected him. I don't care. And I think in ways now here. I think it is ignorance. With people here. It's ignorance. But still if it's not dealt with. It's just going to lead to pride and stubbornness. And I think that's sometimes why people do. Can, can do rather function in ignorance because because it was rebellion and stubbornness that was still never dealt with. There's no question about it. And this is what he wants to encourage us. He's God Almighty. He's got all power. His heart is love. He's an absolute servant. He wants to do everything for them. And look what it says in verse 5. And he could there do no mighty work. Why? Because they were rejecting God's way. They were rejecting his person, which is the word, and thereby rejecting his work that would accomplish it. And I see it here. It's not good. There he could do no mighty work, except that he was able just to lay his hands upon a few sick folk and heal them. But there he couldn't do his mighty work. He couldn't do it. Oh boy. When, people, when, when we don't allow his mighty work to be done in us, we're going to use our own natural resources to try and carry on that work. That's why certain others leave here. That's why certain others, when they come, have their own plans. They fit you in. Seriously, they fit you into a slot and then they go about their own plans. It's not local assembly. I guarantee you it's not. I tell you from the word of God that it is not. And it's evident right this morning. Because they, for any of us in the flesh, and we all have a Pharisee in the flesh, and a Pharisee says but never does. They say they're going to do something. They say they're going to be here, and they don't do it. That's Matthew 23, 1, 2, and 3. They say they're going to do it. Do, 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 do what they say, but don't do what they do, he said. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. Why? Here's why. Love not in word or in tongue, in 1 John 3 and verse 18. Oh, easiest thing to, hey, love you, love you guys, it was great, okay, bye, you don't see him again. <laughs> love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's what it says. He couldn't do it. Look at verse 6, and here's what we're coming to. <clears throat> And he marveled because of their unbelief. Mean in in cases in cases that I'm speaking of, okay, it's a, it's it's still a form of ignorance, but it's based upon past rebellion and stubbornness that's never been dealt with. I'm just telling you that this is crystal clear in the scriptures. Crystal clear counsel to what to heal, not to destroy, but to heal. The enemy wants to destroy the experience of Christians 
to cause them to use the lusts of the flesh that become their natural resources based upon thinking that is not the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 and Philippians 2 and verse 5. What is the mind of Christ in Philippians 2 and verse 5? You esteem others in Philippians 2 and verse 3 better than yourselves. Do you think that should start with a local assembly? Philippians 2, 4. Look, stop looking on your own things, your own plans. And talk to people. Oh, yeah, we're traveling. We go all over the We've been traveling. We go all over the place. Whew. I'm like, how do you function without the body of Christ? Come on. Yeah, you fu- Well, you mean to tell me we can't function individually? You do function individually in a local assembly in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. 1 Corinthians 12. Read the 28 verses. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Got our own private plans. We're going to fit people in where we think we should fit them in, and then we're going to go. <laughs> Please don't come. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please, you stir it up, but not the right way. He marveled because of their unbelief. And this is what God was telling me. You listen to me. This is what he was telling me. You you don't allow their unbelief to affect you from preaching and teaching the word of God. Do you hear me? And I said, yes, Lord. So many times I have said, and this is what God is teaching me personally. So many times I have said, and I mean it, even with people that just recently came here, I desire deep and intimate fellowship with them. But I cannot allow that to replace his deep desire and intimacy with me. Because if I do, I make that more than who he wants to be and is in me in intimate fellowship. And you know, did it stop him? Did it stop him? No. All their rejection? No. He still, as he's on his way out, it's a sad picture to me. It breaks my heart. It, the majority lived in unbelief towards him, and he was leaving. And as he was leaving, watch what he's doing. Still the servant. It's not about himself still. He's still laying his hands on sick as he's on his way out, departing from them. Touching people. Touching them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. It didn't stop him. Oh, how the enemy wants to stop us. Listen to me. Right where we're at. Sometimes we develop plans because we're not satisfied where we are. Because he's not the measure of our satisfaction, we think we have to go somewhere else and try something new. When the new hasn't even been worked out where we are presently. And then would he send us if that was the case? And the, and the answer would be absolutely not. He needs to finish his work in us because he, as we saw in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he's the beginner and finisher of our dependence, our faith in him. He is. He is that for a fact. When I don't have, me personally, when I don't have Christ as my complete resource, I have to try and make them to be that. Okay? And that's flesh battling flesh. Then you get into this whole mental state. And then you start making the business of what people are involved in that are out, that's outside of Christ to be your business and wonder why you lose your, your intimate fellowship with him. And instantly out goes the joy and boy and out goes the peace because you're not occupied with the love of Christ for you as an individual. You know, sometimes we think that God wants to, wants, to, wants to use us to do great things when he wants to do great things in us, period. That's a fact. The majority lived in unbelief, so he's on his way out, and he touches a little one. Maybe just a little cry, help me. Maybe they saw all these big shots rejecting him. And there's these little people with a disease or something. They, 
they can't handle. And they just cry, help me, and he touches them instantly. He, he would touch the leper. Of course, you weren't supposed to do that in Leviticus 13 and 14. You can read all about that, sin. He's the only one that can touch us and do away with the sins. Don't, re don't, try don't rely on someone else to be your resource. As they themselves think they're the resource for others. Oh, boy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because it becomes an interference and a disruption. Here's the local assembly functioning a certain way. And when others come and they're not one with you, whether it's through rebellion or stubbornness or just plain ignorance as a result of that rebellion and stubbornness that hasn't been dealt with, to know good and do it not to him that is... Come on, you mean to tell me that people after, after a decade or more of hearing the word of God don't know that they should come but still don't do it anyway and think that God's going to use them? Well, he might be faithful to himself, but you're going to miss the blessing. I can't tell you how many times that's going on. And they become the source of the one that they think that, that they're helping to keep you the source of Christ that wants to help them. And they get in the way. And that's a fact. And that's what goes on. And I'll tell you why. Because where they came from, it goes on there. It just does. It just does. If Christ isn't your all there, my God, what do you bring in when you leave? It's a lust pattern. Don't we know that? Don't I know that? When I don't function in his love for me, it's some form of lust pattern. It's self-worship. That becomes the means of me thinking I can meet someone else's need. That's all it is. And it's awful. Listen, this that's Romans 8, 9. It says the flesh is in you. That that is in you. If you want to know when it says the flesh is in you, look at 4 through 8. Read 4 through 8. Flesh in me, but I'm not of it. Christ is in me. I have all the power, but I live in the flesh. I keep the experience of the power from flowing. And what does the power bring? Something that I can't do myself. Let the weak say in Joel 3.10, I am strong, 2 Corinthians 12.9. And the power, oh, and I, even when we go to serve others, you, you know, I have, to, I, have to, I have to take a drink to try and win someone that has an alcoholic problem? Really? Really? You want to help someone that has a lust pattern? Do you think you have to, lust pattern, lusting after women? Pornography? You mean I got to take pornography in with them to understand where they're coming from? Really? Really? No. You mean you think you can skip some stages in growth? Babes, young men, spiritual dads. Don't need them anymore. They're old spiritual dads. They don't understand the spirit of the age. Really? Yeah, really? Yeah, I do. I do. God has taught me by the pure grace of God from Genesis, the fourth chapter on, the third chapter, all the way through presently, what the, what the spirit of the world is. First John 4, 1, try the spirits, whether they be of God or not. Anyone that says that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh is not of the Father. I don't know, could that be the work that he desires still to do through those that are his? And the spirit of the world can deny that? With that all day, all day. All day long. Well, verse 7, we'll close it up. He called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth to send them forth two by two. Notice that? Two by two. You're not independent in any measure. You both have Christ. Two by two, here's Matthew 18, 20. We're two or more gathered together in my name. The two, the one and one is two, is that the one has Christ in them and the other one has Christ in them. They submit. That's the two or three. There's constant submission. 
love people, love people, but when they love them, but when they when they think they're doing God's service, and I'm talking principle, I promise you, I'm not thinking of individuals. Well, I'm thinking of some. But the principle is true for me and everyone. Don't congratulate them if they're functioning. Love them. Fellowship with them as much as you can. But don't congratulate them outside when they're functioning in a system outside of Christ. Don't don't be a source of happiness that they can take for themselves to continue in that. I don't care who it is. And I'm thinking of a young man in, in... in Texas, Burleson right now. Very, very smart, very intelligent. <clears throat> very, very, very intelligent naturally. Can understand some scriptures. It's being in, you know, but just be careful. Be careful, honestly. Well, he sent them out two by two. Listen to what it says. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. Can, can unclean spirits function me when Christ isn't my re Can have a function in me when Christ isn't my resource? You mean to tell me I have to get with a group of guys and watch a bunch of stupid things and do a bunch of stupid things to think that I'm going to minister to them? And that's, that's a godly resource? No, it's not. The Word of God does it. Didn't need any flesh involved in it either. Any of it. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. Now look it. And he commanded that they should take nothing for their journey. Oh boy. Take nothing. What does he command of us? I'm going to send you. But listen. You in no wise rely on fleshly resources. Ever. And if if Christ isn't your resource, when you leave... Then what you take with them, with you with yourself, is what you give to them. Take nothing for the journey. I'm to be your resource. I am your all. Without me, you can do nothing. In John fifteen one to five. Oh boy. Save a staff only. A staff only, means of direction. You being directed and then God through you can direct others. A staff only. No script. What's that? No prepared plan of your own. Where you're going to go, who you're going to see, what you're going to do, who you can fit into your schedule. Please, Stay away. No bread of your own making. No money in their purse. The flesh, how the enemy uses the flesh to buy off people, to keep them in bondage. Read Isaiah 55. Come and buy and purchase without money. Because otherwise, why do you spend your money in Isaiah 55 and verse 2 and something that's never going to satisfy you? You know, the resources of the natural fleshly mind is called lust and it's insatiable. It will never be satisfied. But it'll go to one high and go to a low. Go to one high and go to a low. Go to one high and go to a low. Why do you think people got to, they got all these plans Look, and I'm all for, listen, if God wants you to go on a vacation, do you think he'd want you to go on a vacation just for you and your flesh? You tell me. Do you think so? Do you think he'd have you go on a cruise? People going, doing all the, listen, if he has you doing those things, if he has you doing them, don't you think he would, don't you think he'd want you as his resource? Going here, going there, doing all these things, and the time is so short. But how about preparing our family for eternity? And that's called the Word. And that's called the constant preaching and teaching of the Word. That's what it's called. And not using them. And it could be an ignorance from an escape or for a little getaway. What are you getting away from? (laughs) Who are you trying to get away from? 
I mean, I know in my own life, if I'm in the flesh and I'm struggling, I, I, I want to get as far away from God as I can. We all do. Even in ignorance. We all do. You know? But for me, I got to have that fellowship. Because I know what my other, you know what my option is outside of fellowship and with Christ? It's called the resources of the flesh. And that, the last time I checked, is called sin. And sin is evil. Weakness is not sin. Sin is evil. That's Hebrews 12.1. The weights. The weights. Lay aside every weight. The things that you're struggling with. They keep you from intimacy with Christ personally. Lay aside every weight. Because if you don't, it's going to lead to a sin and it's going to trip you up. Right where you are. And my God, if you're tripped up where you are, well, what do you suppose you're going to be where you go? When you leave. You know? I'm, listen, and I'm all for... Listen, if God, and that's the truth. God wants you to take a cruise, make sure you take him with you. You know, otherwise it's an escape mechanism. That's that's simple enough, right? I mean, if you, you know, I, I don't understand them anyway. I'm sorry, but I just don't. But but that's me. I'm serious. I what the hell? What? What? <laughs> Is the scripture our pattern? Is it? From Acts chapter 2 all the way through, is this our pattern? Is it the pattern? Then love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, loving the world through those things, oh, those aren't too bad. The love of the Father is not operating in him. Now, is that condemning? Or is that lovingly God convicting us. Because that's how I mean these things. And sometimes we don't like the pointedness of the word. (laughs) Because if I feel the point, that's loving conviction. And that's an area of the flesh that he wants out that he can fill. Because as long as the flesh is there, he can't fill it experientially. He just can't, you know. You think of these things. Even the things that are innocent in themselves, how the enemy can use them as distractions. Seriously. He can use them as distractions. They may not be bad. What's so bad about that? Now, I don't know. The thing may not be bad in itself, but if it takes precedence over Christ, over the Word, then is it bad? (laughs) Could it be bad? Oh, well, Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to do.